sister who uh, actually got me into my first full gospel church. I was reluctant about going. She kind of dragged me there, you know, but I went with her to kind of get her off my back, you know. And, uh, <laughs> boy, I'll tell you what, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things I so appreciated that I was getting into territory that was unfamiliar to me. And how many of you know there's always a first time for everything? There's always a first time. There's a first time you're saved. There's a first time you're healed. There's a first time you're delivered. But don't let that be your last time. Amen? Jesus, you want to bring me up just a little bit here? Jesus is our Savior, but He didn't stop saving us after we were born again. He still saves us from what we need saved from. And it's so important that we understand that because... As we go through life, you know, you find out there's some things that come up that kind of pop up. You didn't plan for it, but there's some things that come up, whether it's physical, relational, financial, that you need Jesus to come through and to save you. Just like Peter, when Peter was sinking, when he walked on the water, as soon as he got his eyes off Jesus, he looked at the wind and the waves, which is like circumstances, he began to sink. But Jesus, he cried out and he said, Lord, save me. That's all he said. That's, there's no time for a long prayer right then. <laughs> he just basically said, help. <laughs> but the Lord was there to pull him up. And it's so important that we understand that even when we feel like we're sinking in our emotions, we're sinking in whatever the situation may be, like we feel over, a better word would be overwhelmed. That God's love and God's mercy is there to pull us up. Praise God. So I just wanted to encourage you with that today. Like I said at the beginning here, we've been doing a series and I, I primarily, for the most part, 99% of the time, the way the Lord has had me to teach is in a series format. Sometimes we'll just do a one-timer, you know. But I think for the most part, the Lord wants us to teach line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, as the Bible says in Isaiah. Amen. Because I think that's, that's really how we grow. Now, just review just a couple of things here that we talked about how that the title, Living from the Inside Out, that God wants every believer to be governed from the inside out. I made mention of the fact, and I'll say it again, that the Lord spoke to my spirit, not in an audible voice, but in my spirit uh, several months ago, and He said, the epicenter of all of God's activities in the born-again human spirit. <laughs> and the, I found out that the word epicenter means the hub headquarters. Amen. And so when you got born again, when Jesus moved into you, you didn't just get your slate cleaned off and you got your sins forgiven. You did. That's really important. How many of you know that God's not going to bring your past up to you? Now you might remember it. I still remember things that I did before I was saved. But in God's mind, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions. Isn't that something? Now, he didn't say, interestingly enough, he didn't say as far as the north is from the south, he's removed our transgressions. Because, stop and think about it. If you're traveling north and you keep going north, eventually you're going to reach south, right? Right? Stop and think about that. But if you travel east and keep traveling and go east and go east, you're going to continue. It'll never stop. So as far as the east is, from the West, He's removed our transgressions from us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so, Jesus not only forgave us and cleansed us, 
But he said, I'm going to make my abode, in other words, we'd say home, praise the Lord. Just like if you would move into an apartment or a house or something, you know, you pack everything up, you move into that place, you know, that's your abode, that's your home. Now, we don't use that phrase, abode, but it's a King James word. Jesus said, if a man will love me, he says, we will make our abode with them. Hallelujah. One of the greatest things that a person, after they get saved, to know is that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own, the Bible says. You have been bought with a price. Say, I have been bought with a price. Praise God. My goodness. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen? And sometimes the Lord, I'll be going along, and the Lord will have to kind of remind me, said, you know, I'm in there. <laughs> Just remember who's living on the inside of you because, you know, you got that physical senses that kind of try to tell you otherwise. You know what I'm saying? But you have to remind yourself, and I constantly try to do that, that, man, I'm not living alone. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus lives on the inside of me. Now, here's a couple of things that we mentioned last week, and I'll just briefly go over these again. Uh, And we're talking about living from the inside out. That's our topic here. So as a believer, we are to allow our inner man to govern our outer man, all right? The greatest need, I said last week, for the sinner, the greatest need is Jesus, to have Jesus. The greatest need for a believer is having your mind renewed with the Word of God, okay? That's the greatest need for a believer. Now, when you're a sinner, your greatest need is, I need Jesus, I need a Savior. But number two, when you're saved... You're born again. Now the most important thing is to have your mind renewed with the Word of God. I also said last week that our greatest enemy as a believer is not the devil. It is the unrenewed mind. Now why do I say that? Because technically speaking, Satan, demons and devils and evil spirits were completely defeated when Jesus went to hell and rose from the dead. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it, in hell. I mean, he spoiled principality. How many of you know the devil has been defeated? Okay. Now, just like a, in the natural a policeman, now my father, for, for years, you know, his dream job was to be a policeman. And he was for, I don't know, almost 30 years, something like that. And uh, he loved his job. His dream job was to be an officer, a police officer. You know what I'm saying? Now, my dad didn't make up the laws. He just enforced the laws that the city had put in place long before he was ever there. Okay? Our job is not to defeat the devil. Jesus did that. But our job is to enforce his defeat. Does that make sense? Just like a, you could walk, a police officer could go out in midday traffic in the middle of the city, hold up his hand with his uniform on everything, and traffic will stop. Now, certainly he doesn't have the power to stop a big truck or something like that, but he has the authority. And the authority has been invested by the city of Pittsburgh into my father, using that illustration. And so all the authority that we have came from heaven. And Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give you power or authority 
to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. When I was a teenager, I want to say 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, I had a couple of neighbors that I cut grass for just to make some extra money. You know what I'm saying? And I remember one summer day, and I was, I was newly saved. I was a new Christian at the time. And I, I'd been in a couple of meetings and that kind of a thing, not a whole lot. And uh, it was one of those really hot, humid summer days. Sounds kind of good right now. And, uh, and so I took my shirt off. I mean, I'm just as hot as anything. It's so hot out there, and I'm cutting grass, trying to get through it as fast as I possibly can. And I ran into a, a, a beehive. Now, I didn't know it, okay? <laughs> and it was inside of this bush, okay? This, I remember this bush, and I didn't see it. It was hidden in there, you know? And I'm just going, and I, my lawnmower slammed into the, the root of that tree, and the whole bush just shook, okay? And all of a sudden, before you know it, I saw what looked to me like hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, bees just come out. And I'm, I'm within, from me to my wife, that's how far I am away from this thing. And I'm thinking, just like in the cartoons, the, the kid looks for a body of water to go dive into. You know what I'm saying? There's no water. Yeah. You ever see those cartoons before? <laughs> it's like a reaction time is just like there's no time left here. And uh, so I couldn't, couldn't outrun them. Do you know what I'm saying? So within, this all happened within a split second, okay? And uh, God is my witness. All of a sudden... Up out of my mouth, I said this out loud. Because, I mean, I had one of those adrenaline rushes. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, and out of my mouth, I said, nothing shall, the mower's still running. I said, nothing shall by any means hurt me. And guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. So I backed up slowly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still went back a little bit later and did the grass, but I made sure I didn't get near that thing. And I was sort of, I was, like I said, I was a young believer, but I was kind of puzzled because I thought, I said something. I know it's a scripture. I have no idea where it's at. So after I was done, I went back up into my bedroom. You know, my bedroom back in those days was behind the kitchen because my brother was born. He's 15 years younger than me. And so they moved my bedroom from downstairs. They built off of the back porch, they put a bedroom on there. It was nice because it was right next to the refrigerator. A teenager next to the icebox. I mean, that's the best thing, right? So, <laughs> um, uh, I had one of these, I had bought a Strong's Concordance. Now, this is before computers. This is before cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So, I had a paperback Strong's Concordance. So, I was kind of curious. I thought, where is this scripture? So, I looked it up and it was, found out it was in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And Jesus said, Behold, I give you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And these, notice this, he says, And nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. And I thought, I must have read that scripture before because how else would it come up out of me? One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, we know that Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he said one of the jobs is, is he would teach you all things, he would guide you into all truth, and he would bring all things to your remembrance. He would bring all things, in other words, supernatural recall. So, 
somewhere along the line, I had heard that scripture, not sure where. And, uh, but at the time of need, at the time of danger, actually, okay, uh, the Holy Ghost quickened that scripture to me. It was in my spirit, and I, I spoke it. I said it out loud. I said, nothing shall by any means hurt me. And what so amazed me was is not, I didn't get one sting, not one. Now, I've known people that have been stung from head to toe. I'm telling you what, they were, it was, our one neighbor came beating on the door one day when we used to live in this other place, and she was back there doing something, ran into the same kind of a nest, and oh, I mean to tell you, she looked an absolute mess. She'd probably been stung a hundred times from head to toe, you know what I'm saying? She was an older woman, felt so bad for her. But I, I got to thinking, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I got to thinking about this because there's a lot of times you're making deposits of the Word of God and it seems mundane. It seems kind of boring sometimes. Okay, you're hearing, reading Scripture, hearing Scripture, hearing the Word, and you're thinking, what good is this doing me right now? Well, you're making deposits, and when those deposits are placed inside your spirit, they're never lost. They're in there. But the job of, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring all things to your remembrance. Now, we know that in the Gospel of, of uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the uh, synoptic Gospels, they have a lot of the same stories, you know. We, we see where Jesus was tempted by the devil. And every time that he was tempted by the devil with a valid temptation, what was his... What, what did he use to resist the devil? He used the what? He's the word, didn't he? He would say, it is written, right? It is written. And he would quote a scripture. Okay? We call that spiritual armor. It is written. So, when I, when I said that scripture, it is written. I didn't say it is written. I just quoted it. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I didn't have time to say, uh, let me go find my Bible and find out where that is. It was... It had to be in there. It had to be in there. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in, in the life of a believer is to bring all things to remembrance whatsoever He has said unto you. Now, if it first hasn't been deposited, how can He bring it to your remembrance? It has to be deposited first. So any time that you invest in the Word of God is never wasted time. Never. You may think at the present moment, oh, I'm not getting too much out of that. But you're hearing gospel, you're hearing the word of God. And those deposits, those deposits are in there. And when the Holy Spirit wants to bring something to remember, it's bam, it's there. Now, oh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, something like that. Now, I started to learn some things about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes our brains forget things. Okay? And one of the things we don't want to say jokingly around say, uh, I just had a senior moment. Did you ever hear that phrase before? In other words, I'm, I'm getting older. I tend to forget. Don't say that. Do not give the enemy any ammunition. Okay? Praise the Lord. You, you can still grow older. We're all growing older. But you, yeah, you can, you can get smarter. You don't have to forget anything. Now remember, I was in I was in a gym and I was working out. Same gym I belong to now for 30 some years. And uh, there was a gentleman, a young man actually, that I had met that previously 
that was in, they actually, they, we rented this house, you know, this is years ago, and they were the family that was in there before us, and they had several kids. And, and so I remember I had met this, this family and so forth, and, uh, well, anyway, long story short, I was up there at the, at the gym. I just walked in there, and I saw him, and we started talking, because we just met each other before, you know, not too long before that. And, uh, but I forgot his name. I forgot his name. And uh, so I'm just talking to him, you know, and carrying on a conversation. And, uh, but in, in my heart, in my spirit, I had a conversation with the Lord was, as I was talking to him. And I said, no, he didn't know that. It was just in my spirit. Do you ever have a conversation with the Lord in your spirit? And I, I said, Lord, what is his name? I know that I, he introduced himself to me, you know, and I, I remember meeting him before this time, but I, I can't remember in the natural what his name is. But, Lord, you know his name. I, and you don't forget anything. You know exactly his name. And so as I'm talking to him, I heard it floated up in me just the thought, his name is Nathan. Okay? And so I started talking to him again. I go, yeah, that's right, Nathan. You know, that like I knew him all along. But, man, I'm, he didn't know I was having a conversation with the Lord. I'm asking him. And Now, that may seem like a small thing, okay? But, however, there, there is an unlimited resource for you and I to tap into, it's an unlimited resource of wisdom and knowledge through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by natural stuff, you know? And you've got to remember this thing and do this thing. And it's like, it seems overwhelming in the natural. But always remember that the Holy Spirit is in there to help you to bring things to your remembrance and quicken your memory, okay? Praise the Lord. So, uh, Anyway, we got off on a little rabbit trail there, but I think maybe somebody needed that today. Praise the Lord. So the greatest enemy of the believer is, is not the devil, it's the unrenewed mind. So we'll talk more about that here today. Now, here's another thing that the Lord taught me years ago. And I was feeling a little depressed at the moment. I shared a little bit about this last week. I, don't need, what I was thinking about the wrong thing, obviously. And the Lord said this. He said, the way that you currently feel is a direct correlation to what you are thinking upon. Now, that was news to me. He says, the way that you currently feel right now, depressed, is a direct correlation to what you are thinking upon. So that was a, that was a challenge to me because sometimes we think we have no choice. Like we wake up and we're like, I feel depressed today. Let's pull the blinds down. Get some chocolate cake. You know, I'm saying? you know what I'm saying? I feel depressed today. Well, in reality, there's a reason why a person is depressed. Now, we're talking to believers, all right? It's because we're thinking on the wrong thing. And we're talking about mind renewal. Now, in Philippians, I had you turn there, right? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul said this. Verse 8 says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report. Now, underline that. Good report. And if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. Say think. Think, think. think on these things. 
we are to think on these things. So apparently, now we know that Philippians is, he's not writing to sinners. This is one of the epistles, letters written to the church. He's writing to believers. And he says that we are to think upon things that are pure and lovely. Have you ever been just going along and all of a sudden, you're just doing, going about your business and all of a sudden out of the clear blue, you get this, bam, this negative thought. And you're like, has anybody here ever had that happen to you before? Am I the only one? You're going along. It's like, oh, man, you know, where'd that come from? So we have to filter. We have filters in our home. We have filters in our water. We have different filters, you know. But one of the most important places that you need to have a filter is right here. When I was a young kid, I was 12 years old. I started working when I was 11 years old, okay? My parents didn't have a whole lot of money. They said, son, if you want some stuff, you've got to get a job, okay? So I started working when I was 11 years old, being a caddy at a golf course. And then I got another job working as a, in a grocery store, okay, a little neighborhood grocery store. And this is back in the early 70s, and this is back when those bug lights first came out. And in this grocery store, back in the meat department, they had one of these, they would always keep the back door open back there because they'd go out there and smoke and stuff, you know, the guys that worked back there. <laughs> and so a lot of nasty stuff would come in there, you know, flies and things like that. And they had these, they had one of those, uh, those bug zapper. You know what I'm talking about? Those light things, you know? And, uh, and that, that was new to me. These, those were kind of new. I never saw those things before. I thought, but every time a bug would get in, they would go, <laughs> get electrocuted. And a couple of times something big got on the inside. It's not like a bird got inside there, you know. Big old bug would get in there and all of a sudden it would take a little longer. You see lightning bolts and stuff, you know. And, you know what I mean? And, and the guys working back in the meat department would cheer and clap. Hey! <laughs> all right? Because it just zapped a big bug, you know what I'm saying? So something about that light attracted the bugs, you know. And I, I thought about that and I thought, that's exactly what the Holy Ghost does, is he's there to zap thoughts that don't belong to you that are from the devil. Hallelujah. And we don't want, you know, Satan's, Jesus called Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the flies. I heard a story one time of a guy that had a big RV and he was traveling across the country. Just got this big RV and he's traveling with his family. And a fly got into the driving cab of that RV and he got so distracted by that little tiny fly that he drove his RV off into a ditch and it tipped over. Not a good thing. Now you stop and think about that one little fly and, and compared to the size of that, that vehicle and the people in there is so minute. But if that little fly, if you get your eyes on that little fly and that little problem, he started swatting it and he got off on the ditch and the thing just turned over on its side, you know, did a lot of damage, you know. And I thought that's exactly what the devil tries to do. Is he, he's called Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, and they're from the pit of hell, you know. And they, they like to fly little thoughts, try to fly around and distract us, try to get us, get our, get broken focus, right, to get us not focused on the right thing, on the answer, on the Word of God. As soon as we get our focus off the Word of God, we're, then the enemy can, can manipulate us and control us. But, as I said in the beginning, I want to bring that heat up just a little bit. If, if, if we... 
That's a nice thing about this room, up and down the temperature. It gets too cold, too hot, but we don't want to have icicles hanging off anybody this morning, all right? <laughs> what was I saying? These little thoughts that come to us, we have to take dominion over them. And I just say things like this. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be anxious. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? He said, the Gentiles, the heathen, they, they seek these things, right? He says, but if you seek first the kingdom of God, I'll add these things to you. Amen. Now we all know, living in this world, we all know what it's like to have bad thoughts, negative thoughts come to us. And, uh, but here's what we have to understand is that you and I have a God-given authority and dominion over those things. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, you mean I have to open my mouth and speak to those things? Uh-huh. Amen? Say, you have to say things like, I resist you, Satan. You get out of here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, we've done that to people. <laughs> we didn't say in Jesus' name, but we've resisted things before, right? Hallelujah. I mean, you stop and think about it. Even your body. If healing wasn't for, the, for you today, then why did, when you cut yourself, why does your body start to heal itself right away? Right? If you get a little cut on your hand, you know, what happens? You get a scab on there, your body starts to go to heal itself right away. Well, who put that in there? God put that in there. Now, that's natural healing, but there's divine healing as well. There's divine healing as well. So, whatsoever things are good and pure and honest. Now, there's a lot of things that are true, but they're not pure and lovely. I think one of the worst, maybe it's that way in other cities, but I think some of the worst news networks are in the city of Pittsburgh. Channel 4, Channel 11, Channel 2. Everything is negative. I mean everything. And it's probably that way across the board, but it's everything. And they always talk about the bad stuff that's happening. Someone just got shot over in Homewood. Okay? Why do we have to know that? Why do we have to know that? Well, brother, you know, you've you got to keep up on current events. Okay. But see, the Bible says whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, and if it's of good report, think on these things. Now, I'm not saying you sneak your head in the sand and, don't, and ignore what's going on. You know, we, we're, we're get, you're going to find out sooner or later, right? But I'm talking about a steady diet. Of, uh, of the news media, the newspaper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, when I, when I was growing up, man, my dad had to have his newspaper, you know, and that was like his Bible, you know. He, <laughs> he's like, man, that Pittsburgh Press, would it show, I've got to have that, man, just read it from cover to cover, you know. And uh, what if we did our Bibles the same way? Hallelujah. Now, it is true that there, even probably right now, there's some bad stuff happening in our city, Okay. But we're not to focus on that. We're not to meditate on that. Okay? 
it's like someone that's going to take a flight and they've been watching this series, Why Planes Crash. <laughs> Did you ever hear that before? There's a show called Why Planes Crash, you know? Because if you meditate on that and you listen to that and you watch that, when you're getting on that 747, you have a mental picture of those planes going down and you picture yourself in that, okay? God doesn't want you meditating on those things, okay? Do you know how many millions and millions of aircrafts go up every day and there's no accidents? Compared to automobiles? I mean, think about that. But I'm not trying to say one thing or the other. I'm saying God is protecting you one way or the other. Whether you're driving, whether you're flying, whatever the case is, you can expect God to protect you supernaturally. Supernaturally. Well... Romans chapter 12, if you go over there real quick here. Romans chapter 12, we saw this last week. Living from the inside out. How do we, we're going to talk about today, how do you live from the inside out? Number one, you have to have your mind renewed with, the God, with God's word. I don't want to complicate that. All that means is putting God's word in your mind. That's having your mind renewed. In other words, you start to think differently. When God's word is in your heart and in your mind, you'll start to act differently. In fact, you'll know when your mind is really being renewed because when a, when a situation pops up in your life, some kind of a challenge, you'll ask yourself immediately, what does the Bible say about this? What does the word of God say about it? You get a symptom in your body. The renewed mind says, what does the word of God say about this? Not like, oh my God. Okay? But what does the Word of God say? Now, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, writing to Christians, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that. So that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Now, See the word transformed in verse 2? It's a, the Greek word, New Testament was written in Greek. It's the Greek word metamorphosu, which sounds like in our English word metamorphosis. Okay? He says, don't be conformed. In other words, from the outside in. Don't let the world conform you, but be transformed from the inside out. Metamorphosis. Okay? Just like a, a, a caterpillar that turns into a beautiful butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. It looks like a totally different creature. Are you with me? So we are to be transformed from the inside out. Now in Romans chapter 8, you don't have to turn there. I'm going I'm to just quote this here. It says in verse 6, Romans 8, 6 says, For To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now carnal, what does carnal minded, and now we get our, our word carnivorous, carnal, meat, flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now what does it mean to be spiritually minded? Does that mean that you walk around and every other word is praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. Sometimes those people are the most fleshly people you could ever meet. Because it's a facade, you know what I mean? Glory to God. Would you call me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Spiritually minded. Spiritually minded means thinking, simple terms, just thinking in line with God's word. Thinking in line with God's word. I used that illustration this morning, just a couple hours ago. I dropped something on the floor by the sink and I reached down and I, and all of a sudden I, this pain shot through my lower back. Whoa! You know what I'm saying? And I grabbed onto the wall just to stay steady so I wouldn't fall over. And as my hand was on the wall and my other hand was on the sink, I had a choice. Am I going to be spiritually minded or carnally minded? Natural minded. So I made a choice right there, quickly. I said, no, we're not going to have this today. And I rebuke you, pain. Now get out in Jesus' name. Within, a couple, within less than a minute, it was gone. Okay? Now I remember in the past when I did something like that. Oh, Betsy. It lasted for a while, for a few days. You know what I'm saying? Couldn't even tie my own shoes. <laughs> That's not a good thing. But see, if I, was, if I would have been carnally minded this morning natural-minded, I would have just said, oh, man, look at what's going to happen today. Look at what I'm going to have to put up with today. Okay? But that doesn't mean you're better than anybody else to be spiritually-minded. It just means you're thinking like the Word of God wants you to think. So we're not better than anybody else. It's just God wants to put His Word in our minds so that we can, we can act and talk and speak the Word of God. And the way that you resist, the number one way that you and I resist Satan and temptation is to use the same thing that Jesus used, and that's the Word of God. It's not just... Now, Jesus never did say... It's kind of like that thing, you know, don't try this at home. You ever see that? People do certain things, and they do stunts and things like that, and there'll be a little caption, don't try this at home. This is extremely dangerous. This is only for the professionals. Jesus never said that. He didn't say, now, this is for deity. Don't you try this at home. No. He's, he was showing you and I how to function and how to operate as believers that when something comes against us, that we put a scripture in our mouth and we say, it is written. Boom, and there it goes. You let the scripture out. So you don't, you don't have to feel a certain way spiritually. You don't have to feel like you've arrived. In fact, can I give you a little secret? Y'all want in on a little secret this morning? The devil's always going to try to tell you you're not spiritual enough. That feeling will come. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't fasted. You know, look at how you acted last week. So the enemy's always going to try to think you're not worthy enough. Anytime that I, as far back as I can remember, that I've prayed for something, I would always get this nagging thought when I prayed, you're not going to get it this time. Okay? Now, why am I saying that? Because sometimes I think we, we have to expose the enemy for who he is because he will, he will always make you think, well, yeah, but you're a minister. You're a pastor. Sure, God's going to answer your prayer. Listen, God doesn't hear my prayer more than he hears your prayer. If you're a child of God, you're bought with the same blood. You have the same authority and the same dominion over Satan than any man of God has. Are you with me? And so... Whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel like you have dominion or not, you raise up your hand and you say, no, Satan, no, you don't. No, you don't. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from this mess. Yeah. And the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Hmm. 
It doesn't say, let the redeemed of the Lord uh, shut their mouth. It says, let them say something. <laughs> I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. How much? 100%. Christ, Galatians 3.13, Christ, half, past tense, not going to, half, redeemed you and me from the curse of the law. What's the curse? I'm glad you asked. Poverty, sickness and disease, pain and spiritual death. That's all under the curse. That's all under the curse. Hallelujah. In fact, one of the, if you read Deuteronomy 28, you'll find out that the curse is a whole lot more than we even realize. But Jesus Christ, He didn't redeem us from the blessing. He redeemed us from the curse. He was made a curse for you and for me. I remember about two years ago, I'm walking along and I'm praying. I was outside, it was in the summertime, and I was praying about this. I was meditating, I was praying. And I, I felt like the Holy Ghost asked me a question. He said, Keith, he said, how much are you redeemed from the curse of the law? And I got it. He said, are you 50% redeemed from the curse of the law? How about 60%? How about 70%? And all of a sudden, the light shined in my mind and my thinking. And I said, well, I'm 100% redeemed from the curse of the law, right? He said, well, then that must mean that you're 100% blessed. It says in Christ, Galatians 3.13, Christ hath, past tense, redeemed you and me from the curse, 100% of the law, being made a curse for us. Who was the most cursed man that ever walked this earth? Was it Hitler? Mussolini? Jesus was the most cursed man that walked this earth. He became the, the sum total of all the curse of humanity. He took upon himself all the curse. For what reason? So that you and I could be blessed with the blessings of Abraham. There was a moment in time Jesus took, now he's not there, not now, but he, when he went to the cross and he went to hell, he absorbed all the curse. All of it. Amen? He absorbed the whole thing. And so I, he said this, to the degree and to the extent, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again, to the degree and to the extent that Jesus bore the curse, is to the same degree and to the same extent that I received the blessing. He was 100% cursed so I could be 100% blessed. Wow. Praise God. Glory to God. Does that make you happy this morning? Say, I'm blessed. See, you're blessed sitting there. I'm telling you, whether you feel like it or not, you are blessed. Now, the carnal mind pushes that away. It says, oh, I, I haven't done enough. I haven't done this enough. I, I, you know, I messed up last week. That's the carnal way of thinking. But listen, Jesus still paid the price for you so you could be blessed. You don't have to be perfect in the flesh for God to bless you. You don't. If that were the case, none of us would qualify because I don't always hit it 100%. But he's perfect. And he lives in me. And so we're able to receive his blessing. 
said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and, life and peace. Praise God. So how do you renew your mind? You take a scripture, very basic here, ABC. You take a scripture or two and you put it in your mind. You read it, you speak it out loud, and what happens? It gets deposited inside your spirit. Hallelujah. And God's word in God's mouth is just as powerful as God's word in your mouth. Sure, when Jesus said, it is written, the devil fled. But you have the same right, same right to use the, the word of God in your mouth and you say, it is written. And watch him flee from you. Praise the Lord. To watch him flee from you, to run as if in terror. Now, I said this last week that we have to put God's word into our thinking on a regular, daily basis. One thing I really appreciate, there's a lot of things I appreciate about my wife, but you know, every single, I mean, as long back as I can remember, before we go to bed at night, you know, and I might even have fallen off to sleep, and I'll wake up and I'll hear her, and she pulls out her little iPad, and she's reading Psalm 91. And she's saying it out loud. She's reading it and reading it and reading it. And I know there's times she's exhausted, but yet she'll still pull it out and she'll read it and she'll quote it. Praise God. No time in God's Word is wasted time. Your time in church today is not wasted time. Do you know you can come to church anytime you want? <laughs> not just when you feel like it, but every time you, we have church, you can come, praise the Lord. And I guarantee you that you will be blessed by God's word. Because, you see, sometimes churches have become entertainment centers rather than spiritual institutions where we can grow in the word of God. Right? And a lot of, sad to say, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes churches have just entertained people instead of really teaching them what they need to know. Because when their back's up against the wall, they don't know how to fight Satan. They don't know how to fight the enemy. They don't know how to fight the good fight of faith and win. But I'm telling you, when you get the word of God inside your spirit, hallelujah, we ought to be changed. When we get under God's presence, get under God's word. Every time, every time I get under God's word and God's presence, I'm a different man. I'm a better person. I can tell when my power is being drained, <laughs> you know. We used to use the thing, you know, E.T., phone home. You know, remember that? But, you know, man, you, your connection with Christ and your fellowship with him and your, your communion with him and in the word and prayer, all those times are going to keep your spirit, man, built up. Praise God. So I said this last week that on an average it takes uh, about two months before a new behavior becomes, now medical science has said this, it takes about two months before something becomes an automatic behavior or 66 days to be exact. A new habit. A new habit. How many of you know there's good habits and bad habits? Usually when we think, of, think in terms of habits, we think of bad habits, okay? Well, that's true. But there are good habits, too. The Bible even says that in uh, the book of Acts, uh, I mentioned this last week, it says that the New Testament church in the book of Acts addicted themselves to the word of God and to the ministry of the saints. They addicted themselves. So in other words, 
they had to have their fix. There are good habits. I'm addicted to prayer. I've got to have my prayer time. <laughs> I'm addicted to the word. I've got to have some scripture. I'm addicted to ministering to the saints. I just want to minister to someone. You want to. Amen? I'm addicted to praying in other tongues, praying in the spirit. Someone asked a minister one time, so-and-so, he said, do we, have, do we have to pray in tongues when we get filled with the Holy Ghost? It was one of those, those types of uh, questions that try to trap a preacher or trap somebody. Do we have to speak in tongues? And he thought about it, and the Holy Ghost gave him the exact phrase. He says, no, we don't have to. We get to. That just closed the argument right there. Hallelujah. Are you ashamed of the Holy Ghost? If he gave you a language, do you think it's pretty important? Oh, yeah. The Spirit of God does not give something that's not right and wrong and purposeless. When he gives you something, it's for a divine reason, for a divine purpose. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the more that you do these things, the more it'll be... Do you ever hear the phrase autopilot? You do something so often that it becomes like autopilot. Okay? And so good things can begin to happen when we start to put God's Word in our heart every single day. Praise God. Now, I don't want to leave you today without keeping things... Keep things extremely simple in your life. I don't want to complicate things. I don't want to throw a monkey wrench and make it very complicated. Sometimes we can do that. But we, we're talking very basic stuff here. How many of you have a CD player in your car? Or some kind of contraption you can listen to something? Well, most of us have to drive somewhere, some point during the day, right? Uh, my phone has hundreds and hundreds of mess, hours of messages on here. Thank God for that thing. It's not just a telephone. It's got everything else on there. But uh, it's a listening device, and I can put stuff on there. I even have some prophecies on there from our services, some things the Lord spoke out that I have went back and recorded that thing. You know. And by the way, we're going to make that available next week. I felt like what we need to do is make those things available on paper. We did send out some. But if the Lord speaks through, you know, a, a prophecy or a, an interpretation of tongues and supernatural information is, is coming out, and I will have that next week. We will have, there. there's three in particular that were spoken over the last few weeks, and this is not something that we prepare and plan to do. It's as the Spirit wills, okay? And when He speaks, we got to, it's good to go back because, to be, to be honest with you, when, whether I'm prophesying or interpreting a tongue or Pastor Lynn or or any of us here, it's so spontaneous that you're like, what, the, what was just said? It's, so, it's not premeditated. It comes, boom, it just comes right up out of your spirit and you speak it and it's like, and I'll go back and I'll think, wow, thank God the Lord said that because that, that really built up and edified it. The purpose of that is to exhort and to comfort and to encourage you. Prophecy is to speak on the men of edification, exhortation and comfort. So I will see to it that next week on a separate piece of paper. We'll have those things typed out. You can take them home and, uh, and just be a blessing to you. Amen.
Thank you, Lord Jesus.